and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. It's been a bit of a weird one this week as we approach Sunday's final game of the, the normal League One campaign before the playoffs. And as I've just said, Sunderland have qualified for the playoffs and we can take fourth, fifth or possibly even third, I think. Well, Northampton, of course, are already relegated. However, despite the fact that it's a bit of a dead rubber, as Freddie Mercury would say, the preview show must go on. And to discuss Northampton Town is returning guest, Charles from It's All Cobblers to Me. Charles, how are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm all right, mate. I'm just about over the relegation, but mention it again and I will cry. <laughs> well, first question, here we go. Uh, difficult place to start, I suppose. Um, but... Nothing really to play for from your side or us really either um, after being relegated. I think it was last week um, yeah. officially. So so how is the mood of the fan base at the moment? Because obviously sometimes when you come up from another division, sometimes you can know it's going to be a struggle. So um, how is the mood in the fan base? I think we did know it was going to be a struggle. However, I also think that most people expected us to actually up Um I don't, the mood in the fan base has been one of complete and utter disappointment and hurt, I think, for the last many, many, many weeks. Um, there's too much to go into, really, as to what the issues have been. But let's just say recruitment wasn't good enough. Management wasn't good enough. Style of play wasn't good enough. And getting relegated isn't good enough. So... Yeah, we are we are down in the dumps, quite literally, I, I think is the best way to put it. As we're recording, there's been an announcement today uh, on Wednesday about uh, a restructuring of our sort of playing side of the club. So they're looking to try and connect the academy with the first team a bit more. Um, and we, we'd already done okay with our academy in terms of getting players to come through. Um, Ivan Tony came through our academy, played first team football with us a number of games, I think a whole season more or less and a bit before he then got bought by Newcastle. And then the rest of that is all history. We won't talk about that anymore. Players like Sean McWilliams, who is in our first team squad at the moment and will be next year. He came through the academy um, and there's a couple of other players that are, are coming through as well. But... They're basically talking about putting a committee together, which is the head of the academy in Sampson with uh, Graham Carr, who um, you will know for basically your worst enemies, um, being their chief scout. And uh, then in line with the chairman, the CEO, a new head of recruitment that will be coming in and then potentially a new manager or John Brady if he gets given the job full time and somehow that restructuring will will make us look at how we play and our like identity playing identity throughout the whole club so from the age groups right up to the first team that's the aim so that's a bit of a positive bit of news that everybody's kind of grabbed hold of and said oh that's a that's a nice step um but I think it's papering over the cracks of how the rest of us feel yeah, and it's, I suppose it's easy for me to say outside looking in, but when something happens significant in a football club, you get relegated or whatnot, and then the immediate news is meant to be like a good thing. It can sometimes feel like a PR move, whether it's actually got fruition behind it. Time will tell, won't it? Yeah, they've, they've talked about doing this for a few months now. Um, 
so it is good to see that they've actually given us a bit more information as to how that's going to work. Um, but you are right. Uh, proof is in the pudding, so to speak. So um, we'll just have to sort of wait and see what happens with it, I think. Funny you mentioned that uh, Ian Sampson as well, because obviously on your podcast, which you've recorded for the, the listener just beforehand, we're talking about Northampton, Sunderland connections. We went Martin Smith, Andy Melville obviously was there. Um, Paul Reed, many Sunderland fans will remember. But but there's another one, Ian Sampson, um, yeah. obviously former Sunderland as well. Um, do you see that his appointment or his part in this is, is a good thing? Are the people that you've got in it, are the people that are respected within the fan base? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Samo is a is a club legend. Um, so, so after signing for us, what was that? Ninety two, maybe. Ooh, I might be a little bit definitely out 90s. there. Yeah, yeah, early nineties, definitely. Um, he went on and you know played his whole career with us. Um, four hundred and fifty appearances or four hundred and forty nine appearances. I think he actually got. Um, he is as much as he is not from Northampton. Um, he is as Northampton town as you can get. So I think the fans will really be appreciative of the fact that he's in there. Um, the fans were anyway. I mean, he managed the club for a period of time. We're going back 10 years, maybe a bit longer now. Um, and yeah, I think that it's, it's a good thing that he is in there. It's a good thing as well that Graham Carr is in there because uh, as much as you guys won't like him because of his connection to Newcastle, um, for us, he's a legend. He won us the fourth division in 86-87 at a canter. Um, Richard Hill, by the way, was our top goal scorer that season with well over 30 goals. Um, so there's the other connection there. Um <laughs> So having those people in this committee, as they've chosen to call it, is a definitely a good thing. I question the side of having the chairman and the CEO in there. I understand it. Don't get me wrong. They're the people with the money, so they've got to have some sort of say. But it just makes me kind of go, but you're not footballers. Like, so, you know, our CEO, James Whiting, he's an accountant. That's that's what he his trade is. Um Kelvin Thomas, our chairman, I'm not really sure what his actual trade is necessarily, but he's been in football a number of years with different clubs. So, um, but I still wouldn't say that he's a footballing yeah. oracle or knowledgeable of that kind of side of things. But he's a businessman, not a football player style man. Um so we'll sort of see how that works. They have said that it's not a decision-making group. It's just a committee. I don't know. It's too early to really know exactly what it's going to be like. But the inclusion of people like Samo and Graham Carr is, is definitely going to make the fan base happy, I think. I'm still reeling from the fact that, that Graham Carr is the dad of Alan Carr. I'm just still reeling from that fact. It's like I feel like I'm the only person in the world that didn't know that. Graham Carr, <laughs> obviously former Newcastle scout who was given a contract for about 400 years until he was like Gandalf age I think and, and that was all funny when it all fell apart the Sunderland fans will remember very well um Alan Carr's dad I just didn't put that together chatty man and scout man yeah if you've ever if you've ever read Alan Carr's autobiography the first one that he talks about how he used to be on the race course in Northampton which is where the, the lads used to train back in the 80s um you know, being forced to 
join in with the running and him really not wanting to do it, obviously, for you know, obvious reasons that he's just not that kind of person. He's not interested in sport. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's pictures of him and, and all sorts in his first book. It's quite it's quite good to sort of see back and, and do that. We did joke, actually, uh, in our WhatsApp group, the guys that I do my podcast with, we joke to sort of say, if there's ever a meeting that uh, that Graham can't attend, does Alan come and fill his place and just, uh, <laughs> and just sort of go, right, this is what I think. Let's do this. Surely he's got the money to like consider even taking over football. If he was it, I'm sure he's not interested, but because I'm pretty certain he's mentioned numerous times he hates football, but a <laughs> bit of a weird segue. But yeah, I'm still reading from the fact that, that that's a situation. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry to have to make you relive it again. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about the last time we spoke, and obviously it was just before COVID. Now, I looked at the league table because I thought I'm pretty certain we were doing pretty shite at that point. Um, not that we're doing that much better now, but not as bad as then. Um, we were 11th at the time. Obviously, it mm-hmm. dropped a little bit because we didn't play for like three weeks. Um, played the most forgettable game ever um, at six fields. You at the time were 19th. Um, in and around a lot of the teams that are still there at the moment. But then looking at your form after that, which is obviously, I imagine, a decent result. I think you said to me at the time, if you got a point or a win, you'd be quite happy with it because you wouldn't expect it. You get Your season mm-hmm. wouldn't be defined against sort of teams who would be expected to be near the top of the league. Um, but you went on for the next, after that, the next 11 games, I think you failed to win. Um, apart from sacking the manager, um, what kind of went wrong in that period? Everything. Everything you can think of went wrong in that period. Um, we we just, like I said to you, you know, games against the likes of yourselves, Charlton, Ipswich, Portsmouth, Hull City, Scumborough, they won't define our season. And they, they didn't. You know, all of those teams that I've mentioned, you know, okay, we might have picked up a point against you. Um, you know, I... I but you know the other games, the other teams. I mean, we 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 got four points off of Ipswich this season. Um, they they're not the ones that define the season at all. It's the games against all the the teams that are down there with us. So we have lost to all three of our fellow relegated sides in the last month and a half, two months. We also lost to Wigan Athletic, which was the game that sealed Keith Curl's fate. He was sacked after that game. We lost to AFC Wimbledon, who were down in 19th now, uh, or I should say above us in 19th. Um, They're the games. Because you look at the league table. I've got a league table in front of me now. We've got 44 points. We'll probably finish on 44 points. Um, Rochdale are on 44 points. Swindon, 40. Bristol Rovers, 38. I mean, they're out of it. They can't beat us. (laughs) Like it bloody matters. Uh, But Wigan Athletic, 48 points. AFC Wimbledon, 50 points. Now, if we'd have taken, you know, two two wins, just two wins out of all of those games, so Bristol Rovers, Swindon, Rochdale, Wigan, Wimbledon, five games, those five, if we'd have won two of them, we'd be safe. Fine margins, but I suppose at the same time, I was looking at the... There's one result that sticked out, and I think you got beat off John Sheridan Swindon not that long ago, which, with all due respect to Swindon, they're absolutely dink, aren't they? Yeah, they're dreadful. They need to finish bottom. 
I, Bristol Rovers, I know they've had a tough season, but Swindon Town are dreadful this year, which is, I mean, in a way, in a way the fact that we're finishing above them this season, having last season them win the league quite convincingly as well in League Two, um, makes me feel a little bit better. Not that much, obviously, but um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it is one of those. It is fine margins. The fact that we've lost to those guys, I, I can kind of, like the Wigan thing, Wigan have done so well. So have Wimbledon. I mean, at the time that we last spoke, I think Burton were bottom of the league. The yeah. 16th. They were, the they were 16th. Quite clear as well. I think it was like 13 points or something. And I think the team above them was on 17. So they were like rooted as well, Burton. Interesting that they should bring back an old manager should actually work. Um, but they have. They have done really, really well. Um, when you're looking at statistics from a season, like you could look at how Sunderland have got on goals scored, blah, 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 blah. And I would maybe have a totally different idea of why Sunderland haven't got automatic promotion to maybe what the statistics show. But I will use statistics because that's what I've got to hand. Um, you seem to have a relatively fairly solid defence for a team that's actually third bottom. You've conceded 66 goals, which to put into context, Swindon have conceded an extra 20 at 86, their bottom. But then you've got like the likes of Plymouth, who are in 18th, who've conceded 79, they're safe. And then you look at your goals scored and your joint lowest, I think, with Bristol Rovers were just 40 goals a season. So that's averaging obviously less than a goal a game. When a team gets relegated or doesn't get promoted or whatever it was, it, there's never just one reason. But in basic terms, is that ultimately where you fell down? Yeah, I don't think we've been hammered that often this season. There have been games when, you know, we, we have never been in them. Um but I don't think we've been beaten. We've been beaten 4-0 twice. I don't think it's any more than that. So Oxford at home and Lincoln City away, and they were one after the other as it happened back in December. Um, but other than that, I don't think we have been mullered at all. Uh, oh, Portsmouth beat us 4-0 at their place as well. So that's three 4-0 defeats uh, across the season. Other than that, um, they've been, you know, by mainly a goal or, you know, maybe a 2-0 defeat, you know, standard score lines. Um, I think our defence has been much more solid this side of Christmas. So since Keith Curl left, um, that's really seen our defence shore up. Um, but it is also laid bare the fact that we just don't attack well enough. I mean, under Keith Curl, it was a simple case of we just didn't attack. Yeah, You know, I don't think we ever won a game by more than by a goal. Uh, I could be wrong there, of course. But it feels like we we pretty much, once in a blue moon, we'd go and score I mean, 3-1 against Gillingham at home on the 29th of December. That's an anomaly. Really is an anomaly. Most of our wins were were by one goal. Um, The last time we won away from home, by the way, which was the 21st of November, away at Burton Albion, that was a 3-1 win. But again, it's an anomaly. Everything else, all the wins are by a single goal, more or less. 
And it's because in the first half of the season, we didn't really attack. And in the second half of the season, we just couldn't convert. We attacked more. We do look and we have looked better going forward in most of John Brady's games in charge. Um, There was a period of time where we only, I think, had one shot on target across something like four or five games, uh, which obviously isn't very good. But we did look a bit better. Statistics don't always tell the full picture, but I think in this case, they give a pretty good summing up of how bad we've been this season. But yeah, I mean, looking at it, you are right. We're not as bad defensively as many others around us, but we can't score for Toffee. So what are you going to do? If you can't score, you're not going to win a game. If you're not going to win a game, you're not going to stay up. The old adage, isn't it? Like you say, goals win games, I guess. So um, we might as well discuss it whilst whilst we're here because, again, I can only give a, an outsider's viewpoint, but Keith Kill's sacking at the time, I think there was a few people who was like, mm, that's a bit weird despite the form because it felt like from the outside looking in that he wasn't hugely backed and basically lost most of his good players coming through. Um, but that's easy for me and other fans to say. What was the Northampton fan base's thoughts on him being sacked? Was it the right decision in the majority? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That final game against Wigan that we lost at home was dreadful. Um, I don't think a single fan said, don't sack him after that game. Um, So it was the right decision. It was a late decision. And in hindsight, you would argue that it was done at least a month too late. We should have given John Brady the transfer window. Whether it would have done us any good, I don't know. But, you know, it's one of those I think you are right in terms of I don't think he was backed in the in the transfer windows for you know summer and then January however the club have said today the CEO came out and said that we did not have a budget that was a bottom four league one budget budget um I think he shifted the blame on Simon Thomas, who is who or who was our chief scout up until today. He's been well, he's left the club. It's a one sentence statement that basically said he'd he'd left the club. He got sacked. We all know what that means. Um I think the club have blamed him for poor recruitment, but then the season before we had really good recruitment, and it was him that did that. So there's always two sides to each story and somewhere in the middle will be the truth. Um, while I don't think, while, while I've got no reason to say that anybody is a liar in regards to the size of our budget, um, you can quite easily say, yeah, it wasn't a bottom four budget, but have the fifth worst budget in the division. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I, I, I just sort of look at it and go, I don't think that, um, there is a whole load of truth. I think is a little bit of, you know, passing the buck or at least, you know, playing, what, what's it called? Where you, you, you sort of shift the blame and smoke and mirrors. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for to try and cover up the blame and move it away from somewhere else. I think it, it basically does come down to that as being recruitment the number one issue that we faced and we didn't replace players like Charlie Good who were bought by Brentford uh Callum Morton who um West Brom decided to send him to Lincoln rather than to us 
I mean, in hindsight, look where Lincoln are and look where we are. So it's the right decision for for that young man. But the Dane Oliver signing for Gillingham was probably the big one, really the big one that is most telling as well. And, and, and you know, the fact that he went to Gillingham, I'm not being funny, guys, but Gillingham aren't that much bigger than us. Money-wise, I mean, Steve Evans have said all season that apparently they've got the worst budget in the division. I mean, if they were able to take Vidane Oliver from us, then that's because they paid him more. Yeah. Well, that screams to me that we didn't either believe that he'd be good enough <laughs> and how wrong that's turned out to be, um, or B, we just didn't have the budget to offer him or match the offer that Gillingham gave to him. So, yeah, it, it all comes down to essentially, I don't think the budget was big enough and I don't think the recruitment was good enough and the budget was therefore not used as well as it should have been. Some of the players we've had this season have been atrocious, Graham. Absolutely atrocious. With the replacement you put in, um, and again, it's an outsider's fan looking in, but obviously Keith Kerwin and another Sunderland connection, Colin West, obviously, which many Sunderland fans slightly older than me will remember. Um, but then you put your, your under-18s manager in charge, which is not always that weird when you've got seven games to go or whatever and you're kind of aimlessly somewhere and you're fine. Um, but I remember Sunderland putting Ricky Sabrazio in charge around the same sort of time as you put John Brady in charge and we kind of fell across the line because other teams were worse than us. Um, did that seem like a weird one for you? appoint that on day 18's coach no not a weird one um I think it was the right move at the time the fact that he's been there all season or you know for the rest of the season is more of a question for me um I think John Brady has done has put his heart and soul into it don't get me wrong but there are definitely some decisions that he's made which are questionable. Things like substitutions that just seemed odd. Um, starting starting 11s that didn't seem quite right, as an example. So last weekend's match against Blackpool, we started with the same 11 that started the game the week before away at Gillingham. Now, in the Gillingham game, we drew two all. However, at halftime, we were 2-0 down. We'd been really bad. It was shocking, that first half. We only then came back into it when we'd made substitutes and substitutions, I should say, and, and made those changes. So why did he go back and then restart with the same 11 that hadn't been good enough in the first half against Gillingham for the crunt? You know, it was the game that sent us down, basically, mm -hmm. and it, we went down with a whimper. So things like that, questionable. Um, the club did say at the time that they were going to take time to decide what to do. This whole restructuring thing has obviously been going on in the background. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about apparently looking at unveiling or announcing a new manager in the next two weeks. It could still be that John Brady gets given it on a permanent basis. Personally, if that happens, that will say to me that we don't have any money and we've gone for the cheap option. Um, but what can you do? I mean, it's easy for me to say that I'm not the one with that's putting my hand in my pocket for millions of pounds to, to keep a football club going. But um, I do think that there were possibly other options out there that may have been more experienced and therefore kept us up. I think the issue really, though, thinking about it, is that we did 
the sacking, the change of manager happened after the January transfer window had closed. John Brady's only brought one player into the club since, and that's Alex Jones, a striker. Um, very good. I nearly said very good looking striker, but a good <laughs> striker. Maybe. He looks like a good striker is what I meant to say. Um, scored on his debut with his first touch or maybe his second touch against Charlton, um, a consolation goal down at the Valley. Um, and he scored, uh, he scored quite recently as well. I can't remember who it was, but he fluffed a one-on-one against Gillingham. He blazed it over the bar and also he was through on goal or he would have been through on goal against Blackpool at nil-nil or one-nil down. And uh, he fell over his own ankle. Ah, so, so started well. Yeah, I, <laughs> he looks like a good striker. He'd had 18 months out injured beforehand. Yeah. So that's A, how we were able to get him and B, why he is so rusty and, and not there. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not with us next season because I think he probably has shown enough that he is good enough for League One. Um, I'd like him to stay. I'd like him to sort of be a bit loyal. The fact that we've given him that option to come and play first-team football and get himself back fit, I'd like to see him sign a contract with us, but who knows. But I think, essentially, everything boils down to awful recruitment, in the first half of the season, then not sacking Keith Curl or changing the manager early enough and giving them a January transfer window. And then potentially it's that thing of like, if we'd have got somebody with a bit more experience as managing a football league club, would we have got more out of the players that we'd got? And also would we have brought in other players that would have improved us more? And then would we have just got across the line? It's all hindsight. You don't know, but... Who would you like to be in charge next season? And who's the kind of... if Because we've all done it. We've all been there when a manager's gone and gone, well, I want this person to see what I have in my mind. And you're either right or you're wrong. But who would be the ideal choice for you? The last time that I wanted, or I said that I wanted a particular manager, and it happened, we hired Gary Johnson. And that was the biggest mistake we'd ever made as a football club. It was dreadful. Lee's dad? So... Yeah, Lee's dad. Another course. connection. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, we nearly went out of the Football League with him at the helm. It was dreadful, an absolutely awful um, tenure. So anything I say, take with a very large pinch of salt. Um, the only name that has been circulated, and, and, and would I be very happy to have him, would be Derek Adams former Plymouth boss, current Morecambe boss. I mean, Morecambe are looking at, well, looking at trying to get promotion to League One. Whether or not they'll do it, I don't know. Good luck to them. But Derek Adams has done a decent job with a very tight budget, I would imagine, with Morecambe. Um, So, potentially, would be a good fit for us. I other than that, I really don't know. And I think the other thing is, is that you've got to kind of look at it and go, who would want to work with this new style committee that we've got? That's mm-hmm. going to be a question. Um, the only other name and the only other person that I will mention is Kevin Wilkin, who is the current manager of Brackley Town. So he's a former player of Northampton Town as well. He's done very well with Brackley in the conference um, and the conference North, I think they were in before that. But yeah, he's done a very good job with them. He's local. He's been linked to us. He, he was linked to us before Keith Curl got the job. He was then linked to us again 
immediately after Keith Curl was given the sack. And inevitably, he'll be linked to us again now, I would imagine. So there's there's two. And there's also the guy that is in charge of Sutton United. He was touted around as being uh, a name um, with the job. Um, I will tell you his name, Graham. Um, I, I feel like I should know this, but I feel like I don't. Uh, yeah, it's Matt Gray. So that's that. the uh, the guy. Yeah, Um I don't really know anything about him, but Sutton United were doing fairly well, I think. And uh, he even got asked by his local press about a connection with us and, and would he be interested in the job. Um, that was probably back in January time. Um, and he played it very cool, but he, you could sort of see in his eyes that he was quite excited. <laughs> so who knows what um, was actually going on with that. But Sutton are currently second in the conference with a game in hand. So... It may well be a case that they are uh, going to um, be in League Two anyway. So yeah. who knows? So one of those three would be the the names that I've heard. I take Derek Adams myself. Yeah, I mean biggest name, but obviously the most experienced as well. But next question I'm going to ask probably a difficult one to answer, so I'll, I'll word it as best I can. But um, is the hope that you can come straight back into League One, or is it too soon and, and too raw to even think about next season? Yeah, it's too raw, to be honest. Um, I think every fan would say that our expectation and our, our hope would be that we do bounce back up, but we're a yo-yo club. This is what we do. We get into League One. We then stay in League One, for a se- usually for a couple of seasons. This time it's only been the one. And then we spend the next five to seven years in League Two trying to get out of it. If history repeats itself, we'll be finishing towards the bottom of League Two next season. That's the kind of way things go. Um, Obviously, I hope not. And it will be, if that does happen, that will make everything even worse because obviously it will heighten the anger and the hurt in the fan base. So, yeah, I I think that's probably the most I want to say because it is too raw at the minute, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't even want to think about next season. Let's let's get Sunday out of the way and, and then we'll have a break and then we'll start thinking about next season. It's been a long old season, this one. On the game on Sunday, like like we kind of said, it's it's a dead rubber. It doesn't really matter um, either way. I think we'll end up finishing fourth probably and, and you'll finish where you don't want to be basically. But hmm. obviously I've been in situations where a team of, of something have been relegated and you go into that last game and you think, oh, kind of even be bothered and, and sometimes you go well, just win just do something that give me a bit of hope going into the next season so without maybe asking the obvious question like what, what are you hoping for from Northampton for Sunday's game what what do you think needs to happen just so you can feel a little bit less raw about what's happened over the season uh, so first of all I don't want to see Jonathan Mitchell in goal for us uh, he's been on loan uh, from Derby how he is a player for Derby County I just don't know. Um, If you want to laugh, go back and watch the first two goals that Blackpool scored last Saturday on the highlights. How on earth the first goal is scored from the angle it's at? No idea. Second goal. Oh, I'm I'm going to cry with laughter. Uh, It's just a fumble. And the worst kind. There you go. There you go, pal. Have a goal. Um, 
Oh, yeah, so that's that's the first thing. Um, second thing is to not play any of the players that we've got on loan. So that does count Jonathan Mitchell in there. What's the point in having loan players yeah. play on this game? No point whatsoever. Uh, send them back. They should have already gone back, in my opinion. I'd have sent them back to their parent clubs and said, well, we don't need you for this week. So, tatty bye. Um, and also... Um, we have, we have got a very, very small squad. It's been one of the issues that we've had. Um, and we've had a lot of injuries in the last couple of months. And a lot of the players that have been playing have been playing through injuries. So um, Josh Mills, our, our captain since John Brady came in, he, um, he went off very early on, about 20 minutes into the game against Blackpool. Um, he had an ankle injury. He declared himself fit. It's another reason why I'm not too sure why, you know, John Brady would be the man to go forward if he's just allowing the players to tell him when they're fit to play. Um, and then he hurt his ankle again and went off early. Lloyd Jones has been struggling with, uh, I, I presume it's a calf or a hamstring injury. Um, Peter Chioso, I mean, he's a lone player, but he's also got an injury. Ryan Watson has been injured recently. All of these players that have been basically playing through an injury to try and keep us up, they're not going to feature either. So don't play anyone that's injured or anyone that's on loan and play some youth. Let's let's start with, um, you know, a bit of a youthful look to it. We've got an exciting young, talented striker, Caleb Chukwamaker, um, whose brother is at Aston Villa, Carney Chukwamaker. Uh, and he's looking, you know, Caleb's having, you know, been been having the old agent talk all season about different clubs being interested in him. At one point, Club Bruges were apparently linked to him uh, in one of the red top papers, um, along with Norwich City and Villa, of course. But there's an obvious reason why Villa would be um, linked with his brother there. Um, so start him up front. We've got Sean McWilliams, who is uh, an academy graduate. I think he's 22 now. Um, give him the captain's armband. He's in midfield. He's our he's our breakup man. He's he's the guy that basically harasses everybody uh, all the way through the game. So have him in midfield. Um, in place of Lloyd Jones in central defence, let's pop Max Dyche, son of Sean, uh, in the defence. And in goal, we'll have uh, one of our other youth prospects. It'll either be um, Callum Woods or Dylan Berry, depending on which one's fit. Um, basically, our, our other senior goalkeeper has been injured for pretty much all season now. Um, hasn't played a game at all in 2021. Not even been on the bench in recent times. So therefore, there isn't and hasn't been any real competition for Jonathan Mitchell in goal. So pop one of the young young lads in, bit of experience. It will mean that it will probably be sink or swim, do or die against Sunderland. It's a big test to throw a youngster into the net for. But I'd rather that than have a loney that is just going to toddle off back to his home club. And, uh, I mean, if he's out of contract, he's going to get released. So he's that bad but that's what I'd like to see and I think the majority of Cobbler's fans would like to see something like that happen as well where we show a bit of youth give them a bit of a chance and uh, 
basically don't play anyone that's been injured or or on loan with us because what's the point? Nothing to lose. I would feel probably relatively similar. I think looking back to the, the championship season, we had the likes of Luke Molyneux and, and whatnot play. And obviously they didn't go on to do anything with <clears throat> Sunderland, some of them, but at the same time, it kind of gave that freshness. It was kind of like, oh, I don't hate those players that are just that are on the pitch, even though we're relegated, because those are just young young lads. We weren't going to beat Wolves 3-0 as it was, so it, it can sometimes work out. But I think, I think you know, we discussed this off air, and we've obviously have discussed it on air, but it's it's such a meaningless game, and the fact that it's going to have to be watched on the stream if you so choose kind of kills the mood even more. Do you think it would have been different at the risk of bigging up my own football club too much? Um, <laughs> but if you could make the journey up to the stadium, like get into the stadium, like kind of all get together and kind of like drown sorrows a little bit, so to speak, do you think there'd be more about it for you if you could do that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, I'm in two minds as to whether I will watch the game on Sunday. You know, you can probably tell just by the sound of my voice that I'm I'm done with it for the year. Um, having said that, I haven't missed a game all season when I've said time, time again, oh, I'm not I'm, watching. So. I've done exactly the same thing. So <laughs> yeah. I feel your pain with that. I go, I'm not watching it this week. And then I go five to three. Oh, it's only a yeah. ten. It's only a ten. Yeah, exactly. That's it, isn't it? Um, I think... I think only because it is you guys, because it is Sunderland, and to that, or to us, sorry, you're, you're a huge club, and you know it, it's a place that we haven't been to since 2008, when we came up for a, a, a League Cup second round, I think it was, um, yeah. two all draw after extra time. You, well, Roy Keane had a lot to say in the uh, in the press conference afterwards. Um, about not about us, about your players and 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 how bad they were, and or at least how not good enough they were. And um, you know, we lost on penalties, which was a, a shame. I thought we were gonna, I thought we deserved to win that day. And uh, I think you did, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what we were happy of, about. Yeah, I had a lot of I had a lot of Sunderland fans, a lot of Mackhams coming up to me afterwards. And I walked out to the the car park and to get my car. Um, had my flag draped across my shoulders and I was I was very proud. I felt like I had my head held up very, very high and I had a lot of Mackhams turn around and say, you know, you should have won that. Well done. And, you know, everything was really nice. Um, so I think maybe because of the fact that it's Sunderland, big club, last day of the season. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought that we'd have we'd have taken a huge, you know, allocation um we do have a nice big i mean it's not big comparative to yours but you know we do have a large away following um you know we will we will sell out um places like oxford and plymouth and you know those sort of places possibly not you know i don't think we would sell out sunderland especially not for a dead rubber but um I think we'd probably take close to a thousand fans, um, and we'd have probably all had just a bit of a laugh, treat it as a bit of a, a drink on the day, a bit of fun to end the season, a chance to to maybe shout some abuse at the players that aren't going to be there anymore. You know, a few boos here and there, but 
I think it might have, I won't say lifted the spirits because I think maybe pre-match everyone would have been jovial, but as soon as you go 1-0 up, it would have just turned. So it's probably a good thing that we're having to sit at home and watch it on iFollow, uh, you know, because let's be honest, whatever the result is, no one's from a Northampton perspective is going to get excited. We could we could beat you seven nil, and I would still go. So what? Yeah, it's just it's one. It's just an irrelevant game, isn't it? Essentially, but it is that time of the season, I suppose. Um, normally, at this point, I would ask, as I have done in every previous show, which Sunderland players you you fear. I don't think it matters too much because essentially, like you say, we could either of us could win seven nil, and it's probably would benefit us because we've got a few more games I guess but essentially it's probably not going to be a 7-0 either way but I'm quite curious as to the outside looking in because I think a lot of Sunderland fans are very pessimistic about the playoffs I am certainly Um, we're guaranteed a playoff spot Blackpool are I believe Lincoln are so you've got the third spot of Pompey Charlton or Oxford joining us Um, from a neutral perspective, how do you see the playoffs going and who do you think will be victorious if you had to hang your hat on the team? Um, I think that if I'm being completely honest, first of all, Oxford can do one and stay in <laughs> League One. Sod them. Um, I'd like to see I'd like to see um, the playoffs be contested between Blackpool, Sunderland, Lincoln and Charlton. Only because Portsmouth were in it last year and cocked it up, didn't they? Uh, I think I think they lost. Was did they lose to Oxford? Oxford, I think. In the semis, yeah, yeah, in the semis before Oxford, <laughs> hilariously lost to Wickham. Um, so I I would like to see um, those four teams in there. I think for me, I, I only say this because I've got a friend who's a Blackpool fan. I, I'd like to see Blackpool go up. Um, Lincoln won't. Sorry, Lincoln fans. You've had a, an amazing season, but you've tailed off. And I just don't think you've got quite what you need, um, which is disappointing because actually I think that would have been quite a fairy tale um, for Lincoln to go up. I think it will either be you or Blackpool. I, I just don't see any of the others. Whoever it is that you end up with, you know, in the... I mean, of course, if you end up having the semi-final together, Blackpool and, and Sunderland, I'm not sure if it is possible, but um, if that was to happen, then it would be a tight game. I mean, you've lost both of them 1-0, haven't you, to them? Yeah, recently, yeah. Um, but uh, <clears throat> payback, that's, that's what happened there, I think. I I, I I get it. I don't particularly like being in League Two. I don't think that's particularly great. It's full of clubs like Stevenage, for goodness sake. Sorry, <laughs> Stevenage fans. Uh, not sorry, really. But <laughs> I, I, so I, I do get it. I do. I, you know, when you've been in the Premier League for as long as you were in the Championship, you know, that's the level that you should be at as a club. But I think the arrogance of some Sunderland fans, not all of them, but some, you know, it's the same when any big team ends up being down in the division that they shouldn't be in on paper. 
fans just think, oh, we're we're the big guns, we're the big cheeses. And I don't want to offend any of you. I I just think if you if you want to look at it from another perspective, like when we go down into League Two next season, there will be some of our fans that will turn around and say we should be going straight back up, but not the vast majority. The vast majority will just say, you know, we should. They will say things like we should be at the top end of the table, mm-hmm. not. There's no divine right for us to go up. And I don't think anybody in our fan base does agree or think that. But there are definitely people that support the likes of Sunderland, Hull, Ipswich, Charlton, all of which have fans that, that believe that, that well, they should be winning this division. Well, apparently Hull have been incredibly humble since they've come down, which um, <laughs> I think... So that brings me... To the, I suppose the final question, but actually, you know, before we do, um, out of curiosity with the the Sunderland fan base, just to kind of flip it back on you, see you were like a Sunderland fan. Do you think that you would feel that we do belong in this division, or do you have similar frustrations with it? Do you think it's like if you were a Sunderland fan? Yeah, if I, look, don't get me wrong. If I was a Sunderland fan, I'd be frustrated at being in League One. I definitely yeah. would be. But I, I wouldn't be sat there thinking we'd got a divine right to be winning or walking away with the league every season. Every year, League One gets harder. Um, it's, it's one of those. And I mean... I feel sorry for for your fans for what you've had to go through in in regards to your ownership problems over the years. So please yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm not some horrible arsehole that that just loves to laugh at others' expense. I, I do feel your pain with that. I really do. No football fan should have to go through the crap that that you know football fans like yourself have gone through, Graham. But you don't have a divine right to go back up. You know you are where you are for reasons um you've got to get those things sorted out first before you can you know get back to where you should be so i think where you are in the league while okay i know you're not happy with it you are where you should be which is at the top end of league one there are as we said there are definitely two teams above you who are better than you one of them happens to be shite and plays in blue. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it's, it's you know, it is what it is. And I think, you know, you either go up through the playoffs or, you know, you'll be doing the same thing next year, which is fighting to get promoted. Um, and, and that's what you will do. You know, you won't tedious. be... Yeah, I know it's tedious, but at the end of the day, it's a, you know it's no different to any other fan of any other club who finds themselves in a division where they may be too good for it. Um, you know, we spend several years in a row in League Two, knowing that we should be at the top end of it, fight you know looking to get promotion. But we get into League One, and we're not good enough to stay in League One, as, as has been proved this season with Bells on. So, I think. It's fine to have the aim and to have the expectation of getting out of League One, but I just look at it and I just go, how many managers are you going to go through before you give one of them the actual chance to actually put stamp their 
approval that's not the right word stamp their authority on the way that you play and to get you out it feels like to me you don't give the managers a chance that's that's from me looking outside in i'm not saying that any of the managers that you've had have been good enough for you i don't quite understand how phil parkinson got the job to be honest no, that is decisions really. yeah that's decisions made above you know, anybody else's pay grade that, that are shocking and weird. It looks like to me, you've got a great manager in Lee Johnson. He should, Lee, never mind Sunderland, Lee Johnson shouldn't be managing in League One. You know, it, it's that. You need to give him time. If you don't get promoted in the playoffs this season, he needs to have the whole of next season, in my opinion, because he will get you up. I think there'll be a lot of Sunderland fans would agree with you on that. I think there'll be a yeah, lot... I, I just I don't disagree think... with you on the previous stuff, which I do yeah. too. However, there would be a lot of fans that would agree with you on that. Um, yeah. I, I just think, I just think you've got to give a manager time. You've got to get the right manager, obviously, in the first place, which I think you have. But then you've got to give him time. And I'm not sure if, well, any football manager gets that for any club these days. No, um, they, they don't really. To be fair, do they? I mean, Lampard probably a, a huge example of. Being a big club legend, probably the wrong appointment and given what a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the yeah. top level all the way through, I think it happens, doesn't it? But um not that it matters, but <laughs> I have to end the preview show with the final question I always ask. Um, score predictions. I know what yours is because we already discussed this, but nonetheless, oh, I might the... change it, Graham. I might change it just <laughs> to throw it, it out there. <laughs> uh, no, I, I won't change it. Um, I think it'll be a, a fairly bog standard three 0 win for Sunderland. And I said one one. I'm going to stick by it. I, I, I think you're mad. I think you're absolutely mad. <laughs> The I listeners really would agree with you on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think you're going to just, it's going to be a walk in the park for you. Um, you know, if what happens, uh, you know, if, if it happens, what I want to happen, which is we have a bit of youth in there and we have a bit of a changing, you know, change of guard, if you like, uh, and a way, a different look to our side, then I'll be happy. Um, but I think we'll, still be fairly easily turned over I don't think that there's going to be much chance of us putting up any fight I mean there might be I might be completely wrong they may go out there and try and earn a little bit of credit back um you know a bit of pride but I don't think any cobblers fan cares if I'm being honest yes that point I've been there Charles, I don't know when you like to be back on, but thanks for joining me twice this season, mate. Um, sorry to have to drag you on to chat about relegation. Um, if it means anything, and I hope it feels, maybe in a slightly different way, but it's just a shite feeling. But good luck for next season. Um, hopefully, it'll be a while because of where you're going and where we want to go to. It'll be a while, but fully enjoyed having you on twice, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me, mate, and all the best for the playoffs. I, I do hope you go and get that promotion uh, at some point, if not this year. Go and get it next year. Good luck to you all.